0: From st louis missouri this is strangers to fiction a podcast all about documentary storytelling my name's bill streeter and my name is jacob mackindoller and today we watched the 2011
1: documentary jiro dreams of sushi
0: You know, Jiro,
1: the the story of Jiro, really, it, it, it says so much about the value of hard work and about perseverance and, and doing the work for the sake of the work and not just for the rewards of it. And I think that um, that informed me a lot in the process of making the movie about just always trying to do the best that you can and realizing that the journey itself is the destination and that the journey has value. And so the hard work and, and stuff uh, of your life is just, you know, that's that's what you you
0: know, I was thinking,
1: you might have a hard time on this part right here, editing in, you know, usually I would edit in a trailer mm-hmm. and, you know, the whole film is in Japanese. Yeah. So an audio trailer isn't going to
0: be very comp- well you compelling. know what i found there's a number of interviews that david gelb has done and i could probably pull something from yeah, that I, i've done that before i had to find some other part yeah. because they didn't have a good trailer to. yeah he's he's actually very well spoken and is pretty insightful in some of his interviews so i don't know if you've had a chance to look at it, any of that, but it's I haven't had a chance to, at to. look at,
1: at anything about him other than just uh, reading his Wikipedia yeah. i know he was um i know he did a fiction film uh after this yep. and then i know he lazarus is, effect what's that lazarus effect yeah lazarus effect and then uh i know he's part or he uh developed that the film show or film t v show for netflix the um What's the name of Yeah, it?
0: uh Chef's Table.
1: Yeah, the Chef's Table, which is s- similar to this, is sort of a very
0: yeah. highly it, produced he, yep. um film documentary series. Yeah, it was uh it was inspired by well, it was, it was it's sort of the formula is taken from Jiro Dreams of Sushi. So it was sort of like I think what uh whoever produced it um, sort of approached him and said, Hey, would you like to turn this into a series? All right. And so they they ended up turning it into a series called Chef Table. So if you like Jiro, <laughs> Dreams of Sushi, which I really enjoyed this film a lot, mm. um, that's a, another good one to check out, I guess. And a whole series of them, are all about different chefs operating at very high levels, right around the world. So you know, it's funny because I've I've tried watching Chef's
1: Table, and I yeah. didn't I didn't really enjoy it. I can't say I've given it a, a real fair chance. I've probably. Yeah watched 10 or 15 minutes of it once but yeah. um, but um now that I know that it's by the same guy I'll probably go back and watch it because yeah, I'm yeah I, gonna, I this, think this film I
0: think I might have dismissed it as well I think I started watching it and there was something about it that I didn't like about it Uh and now that I know that there's this connection to Jiro Dreams of Sushi maybe I'll go check it out again I just kind of to me it felt like it was a little um as I recall this is a while ago I started watching one episode, so I can't really be fair. <laughs> I've with come that. the same, I think. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but you know, I mean, we'll we'll get to this later. But there's a number of other food-related uh, documentaries out there that people should check out if they really enjoyed this one. Um, one of the things I really liked about this film was the fact that it was very simply produced, mm-hmm. um, shot in a month too. Yeah, on... By the filmmaker himself, so David yeah. Gelb was the was the cinematographer on it, and um, really beautiful cinematography Absolutely. actually as well. And some of it was done <laughs> on a Canon Seven D, which is funny to me. Oh, really? Um, well, that yeah. makes
1: sense. I mean, this, yeah. yeah,
0: some of it was. Some of it used a red camera, mm-hmm. um, and then, uh, but you know, it, it, it's 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 a good the way the film was made is a little bit of a metaphor for the the film for the subject of the film itself so like it's a very you know sushi is a very um it's very complex but it's very simple at the yeah. same time very mm-hmm. simple food and um little changes in sushi can make a big difference and uh and the way the film is made is almost in that same uh with the, made with the same discipline and it's very simple and very direct mm-hmm. and not like, uh, not a lot of, uh, um, stuff dressing it up, you know, there mm-hmm. were no graphics in it's the not film, flashy or like, yeah, there's not a bunch yeah, of, yeah, like it was exciting just very much and... just a slice of life, yeah. you know, kind of thing, you know, and uh, no, that's a good um, point. It's very just like sushi, it's very simply done, but very well done, you know? yeah, um, it's very precise. Well, I don't know if I would call the film itself precise, but f- that was that's one of the aspects of sushi that's you know it's is that it's very precise yeah you know? now you re-watched it this week i did i just watched it today actually okay me too and yeah. but you had seen it
1: before <sighs> yep yep and loved it yeah same for me uh but it'd
0: been a while i think it'd probably been about probably about six or seven years since i've seen it maybe probably five or six years maybe. i
1: would guess so too so it came out in 2011 we're in 2020 mm-hmm. now so it's already nine years old which kind of yeah, surprised I don't think it me.
0: actually hit Netflix though until probably 2013 or 2014, and that's when I would have seen it. So,
1: well, I can say that I, I definitely saw it before it
0: hit Netflix. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you did? It, okay. Yeah, I saw it wow. a long time ago.
1: Um, but I, I in still what was context? A, uh, it, I was living in Asia, and it was a, a documentary, an American documentary about Asia, so it appealed oh, to me. You, know, okay. it was you that, know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I was surprised by um uh, how old it actually is. I didn't realize yeah. you know when I went to look this up and saw twenty eleven i I really thought this was
0: much more recent, like something like twenty fifteen but yeah, that's yeah the, yeah I was too actually 2011 is the year that my film came out, so oh really was finished, yeah, so and maybe yeah, I saw it a while. couple of years later yeah. I don't know yeah mm-hmm. so um but yeah, that um. The, uh, I mean, it, it's funny because there's 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 a number, there's a couple of different storylines in it. You know, it's it's a, it's a portrait of a guy who just loves what he does mm-hmm. and is always kind of trying to perfect his craft. Right. Like, um, but then there's this father-son thing going on in there where his son is, as the namesake, his older son as the namesake, is mm-hmm. going to take over for him. So it's a story about a son living in his father's shadow. Right. Which is interesting as well. And but, um, there's a scene in there that's kind of a, illustrative of this. Um, where, um, I think his name is Yakamoto, the food critic, yeah, the food writer. Um, he says that, uh, well, one of the things about the sushi shop is the fact that it has three Michelin stars, which is a big deal. Michelin, a a three Michelin star restaurant. There's only a few of them in the whole world, mm-hmm. maybe about. Couple hundred, maybe, and it's the highest Michelin star rating you can get. Yeah, the three stars, three stars in the Michelin rating book means that you should go out of your way to. <laughs> it's worth going out of your way. Yeah, to I, think the food, place, I think the food. So. I think the film. The food critic in
1: in the film actually says that that rating kind of translates to it's worth visiting a
0: country just to go to yes. this one restaurant. Yes, it's worth a special trip just to go there. Yes. Yeah. So, um, but getting back to my point about the father son thing. Every time a Michelin uh, reviewer came to the sushi place, the Jiro su- sushi place, of which I can't think of the name of it at the moment, it's um, Jiro. There's a there's, there's a longer uh,
1: first yeah. name, but it's it, it's basically known, I think, colloquially as
0: Jiro. It's okay. um, Sukiyabashi Jiro is the full name. Yeah. So the every time the Michelin inspector came. Um, it was actually his son who was making the sushi, right? Um, so Jiro gets all the praise, but uh, his son is actually behind the scenes, sort of making everything happen. Not the not to take away anything from Jiro because everything the son knows he learned from his father. But so, um, and his father is the ultimate arbiter of everything that goes out of that place. So, um, you know, I, but it is. Go ahead. You know. Go ahead. No, it's fine. I feel like you're kind of
1: jumping the gun because to me that was sort of a twist in the film, you know, where the film Oh, you huh. You know where the film Yeah, uh, that's true. Yeah, you're right. The whole yep. time it was focusing on Jiro and how wonderful Jiro was and and there's even parts where they talk about how his son um the one who will be taking over the restaurant, there's no way that he can uh live up to his father. Like when you when your father, they talk about how if you're some people's fathers are so wonderful that there's no way for their their sons to ever accomplish what they accomplish. You know, it's like trying to be Michael Jordan's son and you go to play basketball or something. Yeah, following
0: never, in your father's career field even. And you know, if so. the
1: and, but if they're that successful at it, you know, if they're that good at it, there's no way you can achieve that. Yeah. And I felt like at the twist at the end of the film, what the filmmakers really tried to tell you was, you know, while all of this glitz and glamour goes to Jiro, why he gets all of the praise. When you look back in behind the scenes, it's really his son that's doing everything. You know, Jiro yeah. you know, yeah. comes out and he cuts the sushi and he puts it on the rice and he puts it on a plate and hands it to somebody. But his son is already winning everything and he should be getting the praise. So I felt like it was a twist right at the end where they said, oh, this movie's not been about Jiro the whole time. It's actually about his son and you know yeah. what he's managed to accomplish. Yeah.
0: So, I was his talk. other son actually has a Michelin star as well himself. I mean, right. I mean, I don't think he's three stars, but it's a Michelin star restaurant. And it, so itself, the,
1: so. I mean, I assume people if they listen to this they've watched it, but basically his son made a, a an exact opposite of his father's restaurant, like a mirror yeah, image of it. First. it. Yeah. You know, they talked about how uh Jiro is left-handed, the son is right-handed so they they made it like on the opposite walls, you know, yeah. the s- seats are on it's the opposite walls, kitchen is yeah, on the opposite walls. yes, yeah. it's, it's mirrored. Yeah. Um, but but he left, you know, he worked with Jiro for many many years mm-hmm. and finally left to start his own because it was either him or his brother that were going to take over the place and in yeah. Japanese culture the older older brother will typically, you know, follow in his father's st- footsteps. Yeah. So now both of the sons are off. And like you said, yeah, he's got at least a Michelin star. I don't know how many, yeah.
0: but. I think he has one, yeah. Mm. But um, yeah, but both of them, I mean, really both of them as sushi chefs especially are living in their father's shadow. Mm. Um, although, you know, I don't know, um, I mean, I don't know Japanese culture really well. I just know enough that it's significantly different than Western culture in the way family <laughs> is, is treated and everything. Right. Um, so, um, but I don't know exactly how much uh, a, a Japanese son would f- even be jealous of his father, you know, um, or if it would be appropriate for him to, if he was jealous, to even express it, you know. I don't think um, it would I didn't so get an impression jealousy. that they were jealous, you know. Um, no, I don't think it would but, be jealousy, I just think that it would
1: be. Um, that it would be difficult to follow in somebody's footprints yeah. if that was yeah. successful. I didn't get the impression from from either of the sons that they were at all jealous. I thought they had like just the utmost admiration, and they both wanted to do what he had done. Um, yeah. I didn't get any sense of jealousy. But you know, it it would be hard. You know, they they brought it up in the context of in the film is if Jiro dies, what happens then? Yeah. and there was one guy talking about. You know, it doesn't matter what. You know, it it doesn't matter how good the sun is. Jiro's so adored that when he leaves this place, the people are going to assume the quality went down, even if it's exactly the same. Yeah. And you got to double the quality of what it was before to even live up with a, you know, how well the with father what did. people
0: remember. Right, because they have that. They have that association, that mental association. Yeah, there is that. Yeah, there is that thing that, and and it kind of always happens. I think with. um you know, when uh, when a business changes hands or they come under new management or the kids take over for the parents or something and they change one little thing and, you know, if it's a very popular place, mm-hmm. you know, people freak out, and say, well, it's not the same anymore, even though it's probably just as good yeah. or maybe even better. It's just that perception, you know, there is that trick that uh, your mind plays on you where you remember things being better than they actually were sometimes even, you know, so... Um, and it was interesting to me seeing that on a small scale, you know, like yeah. you might
1: see that in big companies and stuff, but this was just up from one father to his son, you know,
0: and you see yeah. how that dynamic happens, you know, yeah, on every level. But. No, absolutely. Um, one of the other things that that I took from this film um, that sort of goes outside of food and just kind of goes into like anybody who makes things for a living or anybody either creatively or not um is that, uh, you know, he wasn't, he's not motivated, he's a person that's not motivated by, uh, he doesn't have any economic motivations for what he does. Mm-hmm. It's all about perfecting the craft and yeah. enjoying the process, um, which I've always like a big advocate of, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. like, enjoy what you're doing, at least, you know, enjoy the process, you know? I mean, yeah, it's great to sort of get, um, to the end of something and get, some attention for it, or have get it out to the world and like get people and have people enjoy it or appreciate it. But really, you should enjoy the process because that takes a lot longer and it's a lot more lot longer <clears throat> lasting than um, the the accolades that come at the end of completing something. You know.
1: Well, and I think for
0: Jiro so, and probably his
1: sons too is that that. Perfecting that craft gives their life purpose. Yeah, know? no, absolutely. It, it gives, you know, Jiro even says at one point, <coughs> he says, We don't care about money. You know, we just, you know, we're just trying to, to you know, make good food or whatever. And, uh, but that's the lesson that I, I got from this the whole film was, you know, Jiro tells a story about how when he was a young boy, his father left. You know, he, he didn't abandon him, but his father went off to work. Uh, in a factory or something and he heard that he died and from basically seven years or eight years old he was on his own you know and he was told you don't have a home to come back to so he started working in um, you know sushi sushi restaurants from the time he was seven years old and he knew he said I knew that I had to work to survive and he just followed that that the passion for that throughout the rest of his life and that gave him a reason for something, you know, it gave him a reason to get up in the morning, something to do, something to think about, a problem that he could solve. You know, he talks about still now, many many years later, um, he's still improving his techniques um, because it gives him a reason. You know, it yeah. give, gives the, gives his life purpose, and yeah, and he pushed that on his sons. And he says towards the end of the film about his son, all he needs to do is continue to do the same thing every single day. Yeah, and I think what he's saying for that is that it, as long as you do that each day will have a purpose you'll have some some reason to get up some reason to go do something um so i
0: that seemed like kind of the main message yeah. of the film no i i absolutely agree and 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 the thing um the it, I, I saw an interview with uh, david gelb and he kind of addressed this a little bit and he said that uh, you know one of the things i don't know how much this came across in the film but he said that uh Jiro has this uh, sense of doing everything exactly the same every time. With this, mm-hmm. uh, well, really, his entire he likes to have routines. So he has, he gets up exactly the same time every morning. He's in this kitchen at exactly the same time. He preps everything exactly the same way. He's never moved his kitchen from that basement where his the kitchen is um, uh, because he doesn't want the the airflow, the change, mm-hmm. uh, there's, there's, more static airflow. And he assumes that like, well, he thinks that like, if he was somewhere where there was constant changing of air from outside or something, then it would affect the flavor of the sushi. And right. a lot of that is just like sort of controls. So like when he makes one small change to something to maybe make it better, he knows what that thing is that he did to make it better. Yeah. So it's all about control and like, but, he, but there is experimentation in there too but it's but the control is so he can experiment and know what the exact effect is when he experiments right. I think which is really interesting to me.
1: Well I, um, I kept thinking of the word perfectionist you know at different times throughout the film and you know it seems like that's what he is. I, I don't know I think that word sometimes has a negative connotation but mm-hmm. I think that's he even said in the movie he said, you know, I've been doing this for seventy-five years or something, and he goes, "I still don't think I've ever made the perfect piece of sushi." You know, like yeah. I can still get better, and it was always yeah. a, a drive in him to just you know perfect those things, tweak them just a little bit yeah. better. And, and there, I think it's, well, you, no, go ahead. I was just gonna say there was a I read just a blurb from Roger Ebert's review uh, of the film, and he said something along the lines is like one gets the sense that um, the most frustrating for, thing for Jiro in his whole life is that there will never be four stars. You know, like he can uh, never get beyond the perfection that he's already yeah.
0: achieved. So, I don't know. I, I I got the feeling that like he likes that search for perfection more than oh, actually sure. achieving perfection. Maybe, and yeah. I think that like that's a lesson for people. Like something that people can, especially creative people, can take from this is that, um, you know, I think if you're doing a creative Endeavor of whatever sort, you know, filmmaking is the one that I'm most familiar with, but like could be graphic design, could be music, could be whatever. And your main goal in it is to get famous and and get all the accolades and, you know, win awards and things. I think you're doing it for, I think this is a lesson in that that's exactly the wrong reason to be doing things. And, you know, Jiro has achieved the highest levels of culinary. In the culinary world, just by doing some pursuing something uh, as a passion, just for the love of doing it, and okay. not for the love of the awards or the want of awards or the accolades or anything like that, and doing so. it over and over and over and over yeah. and over again. You know, they talk about the they, work is its own reward. Yeah, absolutely, yeah just yeah.
1: just doing that and seeing it get better. You know, they talk about the. There's a couple of things they talk about. Uh, for example the guy who is uh, learning to make the egg sushi right and how he said he made i don't remember the exact number but something three like yeah over we three months three he months. made like yeah. 200 dishes for them and every single one got rejected and they said this one is not good enough this is not good enough this is not good enough they talk about how uh you got to spend 10 years learning how to make the rice before you can do anything else in the kitchen so just you know Repeating it over and over and over and over again. It's almost like that um, ten thousand hours thing, where you know, yeah, a little, yeah,
0: sort of, yeah, Uh, mastering something, mastering Mm -hmm. a skill, and it's just like one technique that they're working on, you know.
1: And they've got it. And I, they showed some of those guys in the kitchen, and all I could think, like, it's some of the younger guys, you know. Um, And all I could think about is those guys must really want to be there, you know. They they really want to follow this career path become sushi chefs, because I could imagine I wouldn't have the patience to sit making rice for 10 years, or or they talk about how you got to, you can't touch anything until you learn how to squeeze the hot towel the correct way each time so it doesn't burn your hands. You got to do that over and over again. And I think that's probably the case for a lot of people, because The son mentioned how they have a lot of people come in, and they'll start one day, and they'll leave at the end of the shift, you know, and they'll never come back again, because they realize that... you know to to do this you got to really want to be here and you got to really want to have to have to have the patience to try to master the craft
0: yeah i get the impression that some of that is probably just due to the nature of uh the changes in the in the japanese culture even you know um i don't know that there's as many japanese kids who want to pursue the traditional uh arts and crafts you know that uh, just you know it, it's universal really I mean it, as you know things progress like mm-hmm. kids become less and less interested in the traditional uh, crafts I guess um, so um, yeah I get the impression that like it, that was they were observing a change in the culture maybe you yeah know, cause I the think the critic talks about how he's not sure what's going to happen because uh,
1: you know because of the age of the staff there is mostly older they don't have a lot of too many younger guys working there and when it takes 10 years to learn how to cook the rice correctly it's gonna be it's gonna to be tough to have staff in you know
0: 30 years or something yeah to- it doesn't really work with in a, in a modern culture especially I can imagine i I'm you've been to Japan I haven't been to Japan but I can imagine that Japan's the very um, you know, it's a very technologically advanced society, yeah. um, and there's a lot of, uh, but also very traditional. You know, yeah, but there, there's a lot of like draw of you know, let's go do the the fun thing, you know, and, and not sit down and right, you know, work on this. There's plenty of distractions. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. walk
1: around the streets of Tokyo. There's plenty, plenty of other things to want to do. I did yeah. say you mentioned I've been in Japan. I did walk past this restaurant oh really i did it intentionally so i
0: went there one time uh so you didn't have it but you didn't have a reservation no i didn't have
1: a reservation and i knew (laughs) like like
0: 320 bucks or something at the time it's probably more now yeah but it also Um, there's also
1: like a two-year waiting period right Like now there is yeah well i think at the
0: time they said there was 30 days oh at the time was 30 days Uh, yeah okay because there's a guy that walked in and they're like uh he was like, uh, he said he came oh, from right. another city or something, right, right. and they were like, "Yeah, there's a 30 day wait. This is February. We're booking for March." But now, last so, I heard, there's something like a two year waiting list. Who knows? Yeah, if it's, I'm sure if, that yeah. may have died down since this film got really
1: popular. But yeah, at the, at the time, it was pretty popular. And I was, I went there for, on a business trip with my wife, and my wife uh, had to work, and I didn't. So mm-hmm. I just went. and I was like, while I'm here, I want to go walk past this restaurant. So I just walked. Should have
0: went to Takachi's place. His son. His other. You know, uh, you other know I son. didn't even
1: consider that. Didn't yeah. even, I didn't think about that. I wanted to see the original. You know, the,
0: that would have been a the, close. I bet that would have been a close approximation. To but eating. I bet
1: even now that's probably got quite a waiting list yeah, too. Yeah, probably. You know? Yeah. But that was it. Was yeah.
0: cool to see it. So. Yeah, I. I. You know, I love food documentaries. Um, well made ones of course but like i i i never get tired of uh you know i i mean maybe it's just cuz i love food i don't know but um <laughs> you know there's another f- film that if if you like this one uh the um i think it's called i think it's called who is general sao or Gener- I've uh,
1: heard about that, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's about the the chicken, right? The the, the chicken dish.
0: Well, it's th- that's the jumping off point for it. It's really all about like the history of Chinese American food. Oh, okay. And sort of, um, and sort of explores the idea of authenticity in food, and what what is it, and is it even real? I was going to you know? say, there's, I I find um, very little authenticity in food. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know the. I mean, it just goes back to, you know, there's traditional ways of making food, but food is so, um, it's one of those things, it's just, it's like language. It's constantly evolving and mm-hmm. changing. And right. and uh, uh, so like to try to pin it down, it's almost a disservice, I think, to food to sort of try to pin it down and say, this is the way it is right. and it will always be that. It's not, you know, it's it's one of those things. And when, you know, when Chinese people can you know, the. Where Chinese American food came from was, you know, it's it's made by it was invented by Chinese people who came to this yeah to the West and tried to make something to make a living that Western people would eat. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so um and I and I love Chinese American food. It's great. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's a, and how is it I mean, it's authentic Chinese American food, I guess. Right. You know, well and, like... it, and my wife
1: who's who's not American uh she like when we moved back here the first thing she wanted to do was eat chinese american food because she missed it yeah. you know like
0: yeah oh that's funny <laughs>
1: yeah it's fantastic um, yeah but that's <laughs> yeah the, i mean there's crossovers there all over the place you know there's you know there's where i lived in korea there's korean chinese food you yeah. know and that and the korean chinese food is not what chinese people eat it's not what it's not chinese food you know it's mm-hmm. it's its own version of you know what they it's, think it
0: is—it's been adapted to appeal to local palates. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so,
1: but I didn't really think about—I um, don't know—it's a food documentary. zero yeah. is, but I guess yeah. I don't really look at it as a food documentary. I think it's well, more—it's more of a of a portrait. You know, it's a yeah, no, it's it is absolutely—it's a portrait of people, and I think this is why. And again, I apologize to David Gelb because I didn't give um, Chef's Table a fair shot. I didn't watch it enough, but I kind of went into it wanting a um, cooking show, you know, I wanted to, oh, I wanted okay. to learn yeah. how to make stuff, you know, Um, I wanted to learn things about the cooking process rather than a kind of portrait of a chef. Yeah. And again, I'm, I'm assuming that that's what it is, but yeah. for Giro, I didn't go into it looking at it. As this is, I guess when it's in a documentary format, you know, when it's in 90 minutes yeah. rather than like a 30 minute TV show, I, I'm a little more patient with
0: it and I'll start to yeah. follow the characters and stuff. But well, I think I think um most films like a, most well made documentaries are not ever really about one thing right you know um this is a, really a story of a of a craftsman, you know. Um, and you and I have talked about so many times like what what really for both of us what
1: we really enjoy in documentaries a lot of time is watching other people be passionate about something that you might not know a lot about and that's what this was for me was Yeah, I like sushi I've never made it I don't know really how to make it but it was amazing to watch somebody who's spent their whole lives being passionate about one thing
0: yeah Hmm. and one very like uh, simple thing you know yeah Uh, uh, that's that's simply made, but very precisely made. Mm. You know, uh, yeah. That's uh, it's awesome to see that. But and I think that goes back to um, what
1: I said earlier. Is I think when people have that passion, that that gives meaning to them. You know, that yeah. that gives them uh, a purpose. And and I think that's it's always awesome to see people have found a purpose, even if it's just a, a weird niche or you know. You know, if I I could watch watch a documentary about a guy who's really into woodworking or something, you know, whatever it is, yeah, that you know, seeing somebody that's passionate about that thing is always entertaining and always interesting.
0: Yeah, and and I think the people who get passionate about things that makes that makes them interesting characters because mm-hmm. they have a purpose. You know, it's always inter- more interesting to see somebody who has a purpose in life than somebody who doesn't. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so yeah, and
1: that's you know that's. I think it was really interesting, too, to watch him pass that off to his sons because you were talking about, uh, you know, the younger generations maybe not wanting to be interested in in doing those kind of things. But uh, he said both of his sons wanted to go off to college and he had to convince them to come work in the restaurant with him, you know, and he wanted to take that same passion that he had and, and pass that down on to them. I was surprised by um, how, little, this, how m- little money this movie made. I thought this movie was much bigger. But, but again, you mentioned it going on Netflix, so
0: maybe,
1: maybe that's where it got popular.
0: And a bunch I think of people... that's where it got a lot of its traction was when it hit Netflix. Um, and, and that's probably hopefully where they got some money out of it. It did mm-hmm. very well with the, with the awards. Um, but yeah, I saw that too, $200,000 worldwide. That's theatrical. No, it's $2 million worldwide, or $2 million oh. in North America. Oh, so I mean that's better than I thought. Then um, I don't know what the budget was. Then maybe two hundred thousand was the budget. Maybe I mean I
1: can't. I wondered about that because, uh, you know, what I one thing that I found interesting is the director said that he originally started off trying to make a, a different movie that mm-hmm. was more of just a overview of a bunch of different sushi chefs. Yep. Yeah. And he wanted to do it instead of a BBC documentary cinematography style, you know, um, oh, like what the BBC does with like animal nature documentaries, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, but then he, you know, met Jiro and became so fascinated with him and, and with his sons and everything that ended up making the the film just about him. And like we already mentioned, he shot it over 30 days, which is incredibly quick to to shoot a documentary. You yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, but when you look at it, there wasn't um, there wasn't so much going on in this. You know, it was a lot of people yeah. talking, a lot of shots in restaurants. You know, yeah. Um, so probably not. It was not about that, the process? <laughs> yeah, it's really not that difficult to, to yeah. shoot
0: it. Um, he only needed thirty days, I think, to capture it. Obviously. Yeah, um, yeah One
1: and of my, I like that.
0: Uh, I like that idea of like sort of banging it out like that i don't know how much time he spent in post-production i
1: think so. it's i think i read something like 10 months 10 months editing yeah oh.
0: editing mm. took 10 months
1: shot it in one month editing took 10 months so it made the whole thing in 11 months so if you start today you can have a have a film by in 11 months from now
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah probably faster depends on who you are and what you're doing i guess mm.
1: one of my favorite things about this film well i remember when i first watched it what impacted me, the, one of the things that impacted me the most was the trips to the fish market. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I knew what's, that's, I think, another interesting thing that documentaries teach you, and especially if they're well done, is you get to go a little bit behind the scenes of things and you get to learn a, more about the process of it. So, uh, like I I it just, you know, I, I know what sushi is. I've had it a lot of times. I guess I never considered that a sushi market that one, some guy's going to a fish market every day. And you have these giant tunas sitting on, you know, slabs in a big warehouse where all these guys come in and they walk around and they try to find which ones they want. And then there's this whole bidding auction process that goes on. That's really entertaining because and it's very Japanese, too, because you see these these auctioneers are, you know, they bow and then suddenly they burst into like almost like sing song auctioneering, which I guess we do that as yeah. well. But um I, I you know that's not a world that I ever knew existed, and you have so many uh, I just kept watching all of these guys who this is what they do every single day, you know every day they they wake up and they come into this this fish auction, and that's their world, and I never knew this kind of world existed, you know, and I didn't know there' was a guy who is such an expert on tuna. That, you know, he goes into these places, he says he sticks his finger, he yeah. pulls out a little piece, he's got a flashlight on it, inspecting the meat yeah. to see, yeah. you know, if it's going to taste good. And he that says guy that he was the, the
0: Giro of, of tuna. Yeah, he was like, he seemed tuna. like a,
1: and I, I thought the same thing where I was like, you could have a whole documentary on this little fish, uh, this auction, this little fish auction, you know, you could have a whole thing, learn about these guys and what,
0: what they do every single day. But Yeah. I loved that. I think I think that's I, one thing I think that's what we like about documentaries is that they expose parts of the world that you would never know about. Absolutely. You know? And I love learning about um, those those parts
1: of the world and I love seeing people that, you know, just just going about their daily lives and learning what that their their life is, you know. Yeah. And those little side characters like the like you said the Jiro of Tuna and um there were there were a few other of those guys that um Giro and his son would just praise and say you know they, they were saying you know our shrimp guy our shrimp guy knows more about shrimp than anybody in the world like we're we are experts at sushi but he's more of an expert at shrimp you know and so yeah. we go oh, to yeah. o- only yeah. the absolute best guys you know that that we can find so
0: I think that. one of the things that um that I, you know, one of the things that that fish market exposed too was the fact that uh, how uh, the environmental degradation of the fish stocks. Yeah. Um, which I wasn't really aware of. I think before I, I mean, I guess I was kind of tangentially aware of this, but like it really hit home the first time I saw this film. It's like, you know, they hardly find any shrimp anymore. Right. Um, how they have to use different fish than they used to use because the old fish aren't available. Um, things like that, you know, and they, he did a really nice, beautiful illustration where he had him sort of put up pieces of sushi and then it would just That was fade very away. nicely was done. And like, then yeah, it would slowly yeah. disappear. Yeah, yeah, that was really well done. And one of the interviews I saw with David Gelb, he said one of the reasons he went, he wanted to make this movie about sushi to begin with, it was because he loves sushi. Um, mm. And um, he said that uh, what he realized in making the film is that if you want sushi to exist, you should be eating a lot less of it. Right. Because the over uh, the <coughs> fact that you can get sushi in a gas station now is mm-hmm. part of the reason why there's the fish are disappearing. Well, in know? a place like Japan too, where sushi is
1: so popular, you know they have it on the conveyor yeah. belts. Hold, hold on. <coughs> they've got it like you said in in convenience stores yep um and that's a lot of demand with yep. oh, a yeah. lim- limited amount of supply that's that's um it's, it's not an endless resource you know yes yeah. Yeah, and and the demand is growing in Europe and in America. For yeah, you can things. get
0: it in grocery stores here now. You know, I've right? Seen exactly. It gas stations, you know.
1: Uh, yeah, I've seen the, it in gas stations
0: too. And the, yeah, and uh, but it, and it, the other thing that he said in in his interview was he said that traditionally, he said nowadays it's different, but traditionally sushi was not a common Japanese food. It was a special item. It was like going out for us. Like it was a nice. It was where you go for a nice dinner. Right. Well, even you his know? son says that. He goes, when I was a
1: kid. You know sushi wasn't something you could afford to have all the time you know so the demand yeah,
0: it's like going up for a steak or something right. for us you so, know
1: but the demand of it you know increased the supply and which lowered the price of it which is you know leading to overpopulation and you know it would be it's tragic that some of those dishes that they used to be able to make they can't make anymore they just can't find them and it it's awful to think of what would happen if that was suddenly tuna you know, yeah. this, suddenly you couldn't pull any tuna. Which is out a
0: very real possibility because they, w- they were talking about how tuna—it takes 10, 10 years for tuna to get big. Yeah, and uh, the way they fish for them now, they just scrape everything off the ground, so they scoop up all the young tuna um, that will never get a chance to become a big tuna. Now, <laughs> yeah. I, w- I would be interested. I don't
1: know anything about Japanese fishery laws, but I would be interested to know whether or not this had any impact on those.
0: Um, yeah, I I would too. Um, and I know Japanese. The I know that fishing is you know it's a big industry all over the world, but especially in Japan especially because in Japan, it's yeah. you know because it's an island country, and that's probably the big chunk of their protein mm-hmm. comes from the sea. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's sad. I mean, really, I, and I don't know what to do about it. I mean, I, I guess just be more mindful about your choices when you what you eat Well, no, I yeah I don't know what to do about it either because it's 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 one of those
1: things that it's scary that it just might go away or it until it gets to a point where it's so severe that people start really taking it seriously because it's it's a limited supply, you know. It's yeah. it's like cutting down trees; they only regrow yeah. so fast, you know. Yeah.
0: So it's 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 funny. There's a couple. Of, there's a few lessons here that sort of like say, if you want one outcome, you don't work towards that outcome. You know what I mean? Like so. Like for instance, um, if you want to become a famous sushi chef, don't don't focus on becoming a famous sushi chef. Focus on the work, doing mm-hmm. the thing, right? right. Um, if you want, if you like sushi. Uh, maybe don't eat so much of it because it'll be around longer if not everybody's eating it all the time. Yeah. Um, things like that, you know, it's just really interesting. It's like the opposite of like the out, the outcome. The way you get to the outcome is you do the opposite thing right. <laughs> to sort of get the outcome that you want, you know, so. But I couldn't, you know, I couldn't recommend
1: this enough. Um, I guess the only things I will say is that I, I don't really have any criticism of, of criticisms of the film but I feel like it's a f- the kind of film that some people might dismiss because they find it, um, because like you said, there's no flashy graphics, there's no, you know, ex- exciting action going on. It's mostly people talking about sushi. Um, yeah. But it's brilliant. It's beautifully shot. So it's at least beautiful. It gives, you, it gives you really great things to look at the whole time. And um, I think the most compelling
0: thing, really, is just his passion for the work. You yeah. Know? And it, that-
1: it really is about the passion. It's not so. You have to go into it maybe somewhat open-minded, knowing that it's not going to move along quickly. But. I think you have to like food
0: to or, yeah, this, Yeah, you know? which,
1: but, I mean, everybody likes food. <laughs> There's nobody I don't
0: would. know if that's true or not, but, uh, I mean, that guy that invented uh, the Soylent, you know, he, he invented that because he didn't like to eat, you know, which is weird. <laughs> well. But um, it's hard for... For foodies to relate to people like that, I think, but um I mean, I consider myself a bit of a foodie, so like you know I just love anything that's related to food, but like really, this is just about a passion you know a passionate person you know and I yeah. think passion is infectious you know, and uh, um, yeah, and I think it's it's very inspirational on a lot of different levels, um, I think even if you aren't necessarily in a sushi or even Japanese culture, I think you could appreciate this film. Um, just beyond just a very human level Well, and
1: I think that's what I love about it because I'm somebody that's always I've always been interested in culture you know i have mm-hmm. lived in different countries I've traveled a lot learned a lot about different cultures and one of the things I always find interesting that is even if I hadn't done that you could sit and watch something like this and completely relate to these characters on just a straight human level because the, the, the things that you, you learn about them are just natural human things, like you know, a, a struggle to survive, you know, a passion to master your craft, you know, a, a desire to to pass on things to your the younger generations and and your kids. They're all very human things, but you see them in a very unfamiliar setting. You know, you see yeah. them in a little tiny shop in a huge giant city, and it's and that's not something that you know somebody's from. Uh, like we're we're in the Midwest it's not a a setting that they're familiar with but you can relate to the the, the characters and what they're going through in it
0: yeah and and, you know his sushi shop looks not that different from a lunch counter you know you might see in in even here Um, a little fancier
1: (laughs) most lunch counters it's it's a little
0: neater I mean it's very Japanese I guess uh, decoratively but like it's but I think anybody can relate to like a a bar with stools that you put all pull up to and you have yeah. a lunch you know or a meal or something um and uh but um you know there's a there's a funny picture on a wikipedia page of uh prime minister abe and Barack Obama eating there <laughs> oh is that um, on the wikipedia i I yeah. did read that
1: um yeah. they ate there yep and i read that obama said that you know, having grown up in Hawaii, he's eaten a lot of sushi in his life, but this was the best sushi that yeah. he's ever had.
0: Well, of course he's gonna say that. <laughs> I know,
1: because I, I thought the same thing. I was like, yeah. I'm like, Are you just saying that. Or is that like, is that what everybody's gonna say from now on because of this movie? You know. Yeah. Like, you yeah. Know? I mean, it would really, yeah, it would suck together and be disappointed. I don't know if you that would was say anything about it. <laughs> that was actually something that Jiro talked about that made me a little bit jealous because. I like food too, but I don't know if I have the best palate in the world. Yeah, and he talks about how you have to develop this really fine palate, this sense of smell, this sense of taste. Um, and I was like, man, I wish I, I wish I had that refined of a palate because honestly, yeah. I don't know. Probably, I could taste the difference between Jiro sushi and some, uh, you know, gas station sushi. Probably, oh, of course.
0: yeah, I would hope so.
1: But I don't know that, like, in the mid range of that, I don't know that I could differentiate too much yeah. you know so I, I I, was jealous of his palate you know and his ability that and his yeah. son too you know they were they were you know teaching these sushi chefs um, and they were you know tasting their the things that the kids had made and they instantly would say like they would instantly know exactly what was wrong with it oh you yeah. put too much wasabi on that you know did, did you just grate that wasabi right now and you know so
0: well, you know, and it's funny because, um, and I think, I think that's a, f- that's a result of basically doing it every day, absolutely, day in and day out and sort of being intimately familiar with your product. Um, cause I know when I cook, like I can tell, I can, I can I tell can if tell, I make good
1: food or not, you know? <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I can tell if something's different or something's off or there's this like, you know, when I grill pork, for instance, yeah. there's a very specific texture that I'm going for, and I can always tell if I've missed it or I haven't. I'm the my same with my usually, ribs.
1: I can tell yeah. if I made my ribs right or not.
0: Yeah, my family usually doesn't even notice, <laughs> but I either. can tell the difference. You know, it's like <laughs> oh, that I like the fat to be just the right amount of crispy, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and just don't like the, And it's really just this like very specific moment, like between the time i pull it off the grill and the time i eat it if i don't eat it in a certain amount of time it tastes a lot different than yeah. you know than how i like it you know so okay. I, I can understand that you know and it's a lot of just the familiarity of the thing that you're doing maybe and,
1: because you and i are from the midwest we have a a more refined palate for barbecued pork than we do for, for sushi
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's probably true actually yeah. but, <laughs> absolutely uh, i'm
1: sure most japanese people could tell you the, the difference between sushi different kinds qualities of sushi much better than you and I could you know yeah, yeah you grow up eating absolutely. it all at the time so. yep cool so I wanted to you did mention um, other food documentaries but before yeah. we talk about that I want to say if you liked this um, you should watch The Cove if you haven't seen that if you're interested in The Cove f- fishing documentaries documentaries oh. about oh, fishing.
0: fishing oh fishing okay <laughs> yeah have you seen huh. The Cove I don't think I have.
1: I won't say much about it. The name
0: doesn't sound familiar, but you know, it's one of those things. You know, I I could just, you know, I could have seen it, and I don't know. Well, I can tell you, it it takes
1: place uh, in the same country in Japan, Mm -hmm. and it's about the harvesting of dolphins. Oh, Uh, it's. I have heard about this. I don't
0: think I have seen it though.
1: It's very graphic, uh, very Mm. upsetting. A lot of uh, a lot of people uh, have a hard time watching it, but it's. It's very insightful to... to I brought it up because we talked about Japanese fishing culture, you know, and and it has a lot to do with that because there are things that go on. I won't tell too much of the story here, but you know, in a lot of ways um, you know, while it is sad that the oceans are being depleted, um, the Japanese people need to feed themselves and they have you know, certain cultures and and, uh, you know, historical things that they've done that that they want to continue to be able to do and they don't like other people being able to tell them not to do that so it's an interesting insight into the whole um japanese fishing culture yeah but well not yeah, for the faint I, I of hearted
0: will, i have heard of this film i i haven't seen it though um i, I don't know if i could handle it honestly, yeah if, but if you really like dolphins it's pretty tough to watch yeah i don't yeah so. i'm not a big i uh, you know on that same tip though i mean if you're gonna go down that road um i guess the um that documentary about um man I can't think of the name of it uh, Blackfish Blackfish
1: yeah that always gets brought up with the Cove yeah I you know it's funny because I don't think I've actually seen Blackfish I've seen the I've cove, seen it yeah but I've I haven't seen, it. seen yeah. Blackfish yeah they um but I think they yeah. came out around the same time so Blackfish was twenty thirteen let's I'm gonna see what the Cove is because I think they were right around the same time so it was it was one of those like uh, Armageddon deep impact things where yeah, you have uh, you know two similar products coming out at the same time let's see the Cove was no, Cove was a little bit before it was uh, 2009 actually so it was even before Giro um, and it was it awarded the Oscar for best documentary in 2010
0: oh interesting yeah it is uh, troubling though you have any favorite food documentaries um well searching for general so which i mentioned earlier um which is you know if you're and another you know again it's it's about culture Uh, it's not as much of a character study i guess as as jiro um it's more of a of a survey i guess of of the history of Chinese American food, and they actually do go to China and try to find the origins of this dish. Oh yeah, um, but it's really more. It's it's not just about that dish though. It's about it's about Chinese American, or like really, how about how Chinese uh, food has changed when it goes to different places, but American in particular. Right. Um, the uh, David Chang. Uh, Oh ugly, yeah Ugly delicious series on Yeah Netflix. I love that too. I love um, And that's 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 everything though It's it's culture It's um, um, It's really more about culture Than anything But there's a lot of food in it It's and, also and a bit of a travelogue and, Travelogue know. And there's a lot of character In it too You know The mm-hmm. characters are great You know David Chang himself Is fun to watch Yeah Um and uh, there's I don't know there's dozens of food documentaries out there. You know there's a couple even subcategories of food. documentaries. I know, but actually right? I was so, thinking
1: because we we went over food documentaries a little bit before when we talked about yeah. the Super Size Me. Um, yeah, and which but, is another category. Those exactly. Are like this, food me, this is activist more about films, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is more about cooking documentaries than it is. Yeah. You know about the activist films. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So this is more like a food culture slash I guess character study thing and um you know like I think good films don't have a hard time fitting into specific really specific genres you know like um they're usually about two or three different things you know I would maybe even not um food
1: ones but I would encourage people to um try watching documentaries from other countries you know that are about other cultures you know we talked about uh my love don't cross that river right um, oh yeah! Did we ever do an episode on that?
0: I don't think was so, I don't think so. We didn't. Uh, I don't know. We were going. to. I think we were we... scheduled before COVID and
1: everything hit happened. Yeah. That might have been the one right before. But um, you know, anyway, that's that's one. My love, don't cross that river. Um, but you know, if, if you want insight into different cultures and you want to learn about how cultures operate. Find documentaries that are there, you know. Yeah. Um, find good ones, you know. Every country has shitty documentaries too, yep. you know. But try to find good ones, um, you know. Ones like this, you know. This one is, you know. It's not a Japanese documentary; it's an American documentary because it's, you know, produced by an American guy. By an mm-hmm. or, you know. um, but you know, plenty of Japanese people make documentaries too. So check check those out, and you know, if, if you want to learn about the culture, do it that way.
0: There's another film that I saw right around the time that I saw this one, although I think that it came out uh, much earlier. I think this film came out much earlier, but I saw it around the same time. So I think, in fact, I think probably saw both these films in the same week. So I saw Jiro's Dreams of Sushi, and this other film called I Like Killing Flies. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: Um, that came out, I think it came out in 2004. Also highly recommended. And the thing I... I the thing I liked about it, uh, and the, the similarities I saw, is that it's it's also about somebody with a passion for for cooking and food and service, really, um, restaurant service. But it's more of a and it also a character study, but not could be more different than Jiro. But the films were similar on that level, and that there are car- character studies about a family too, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, a uh, family restaurant in I ne- Brooklyn. I never saw in Brooklyn, that. I think um, it's good. It's 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 uh, it's worth worth watching. I think
1: you know. I never saw it, and I think I was just always turned off by the name.
0: Yeah. It, well, <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it's it's definitely a different kind of restaurant. <laughs> well, and you know what, too?
1: And I just because I, I was just pulling it up here. I remember you and I um, a long time ago we talked about um, Dear Zachary which I think of for both of us, probably one of our favorite documentaries that we've talked about so far. But I remember you telling me that one of the reasons you just sort of skipped over it was you just didn't like the cover art. You know, the cover art was kind of unappealing to you. And I kind of felt the same way. I remember I like killing flies popping up on Netflix for me all the
0: time. I think that that was the, I I had is very similar, uh, the title and the cover art for this film. Yeah. Um, I like killing flies. I think both both of those were turnoffs for me. And I watched it. And I ended up watching it in spite of about those things, and really enjoyed it. All right. So now I, I would want recommend to watch that it. one. Yeah, I want, you should watch it. I want to see that. I actually, if you, I wouldn't even have guessed that was
1: about food in any way. I don't,
0: yeah. I, well, <laughs> I mean, it's not the cleanest restaurant in the world, and I think that's part of like what um, it's about. But the guys, like, he's really into his business. He's really into his family. You know, it's a similar thing you know it's about passion and right. it's about family and it's about you know trying to make a business work you know um so yeah all right cool well i
1: want to i'll watch it i'd like to see it then. all right any final thoughts
0: uh no not that i can think of
1: no me either just go I, I, watch this if you have. Yeah, seen go it. watch it's, it it's if
0: fantastic. you i mean if you haven't watched it by now i honestly i think anything we talked about i mean yeah we gave away some stuff uh but I don't think it would take away from your. I'll say itself. this:
1: I felt a little bit bad going into this conversation day today because I didn't take many notes, mm-hmm. and after I watched it, I felt kind of bad I didn't take notes. But I realized the reason I didn't take notes was I was just engrossed. I was like, yeah. I couldn't be bothered to like grab my phone and jot notes down in the middle of it because I was just so into what I was watching. So I think yeah. that speaks highly for it yeah
0: i was surprised it was shorter than i remembered i remember this being a much longer film yeah it's 80, like a two hour minutes, film so it's just a little over an hour it's about an hour 20 i think
1: i don't know sometimes i feel like when you watch something like this something that's slower paced like this mm-hmm. that it always seems shorter the second time yeah. around because you don't have any idea of what's coming you know, Yeah, and yeah and you're not yep. and you're more used to the pacing on the second time around so i get that yeah. feeling a lot with slower paced stuff so. yeah cool all right well, well that's it
0: i'm glad we got back in yes. the in the game uh, with this stuff <laughs> yeah. uh, after a long break um we moved uh this is behind the scenes stuff but you know we moved to podcast host i was looking at statistics we're you know we haven't put out an episode in probably a couple months and uh we still have i mean we've We've gotten downloads yeah, in the last week, so right. we have people, people uh, Especially listening. Especially since so. our
1: last one was Tiger King, which, you know, was right in the beginning of COVID, and yeah. And American Factory seems
0: to be the most popular Yeah, American episode, Factory. But,
1: I mean, that one, then Oscar, and it's got yeah. the Obamas yeah. and stuff, so that's yeah, yeah. that one's always so. really popular. So.
0: And everybody's talking about Tiger King. You know, I think everybody jumped on that bandwagon, so we're nobody needs to hear what we I mean, it's I, if I'm not discouraging anybody from listening to our podcast, but I, I mean, there's so much stuff about Tiger King out right. there. Right, There's I a lot of see. podcasts that have talked about Tiger. King. Yeah, too. I don't know if you need our take <laughs> yeah. on it, but you know, we it's out there if you want to hear it. So, all right, all right all cool. Next. See all you right. next week.